0: For me, something I could give a damn about, and maybe forty years, and I'll be ready and willing and able to edit the story. Cause there's so many people here to be so damn lonely. Can I get a connection Can I get can I get a connection Can I get a connection
1: Can I get can I get a connection Welcome to the Shotgun Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host. Shotgun Shotgun. Shotgun, Shotgun Steve. I'm here today with a co-host, Working Persons Fantasy Football. This is Ben. How's it going, Ben? It's going great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy to be here and continue our summer series on the Shotgun Podcast. Uh, We're going to be talking wide receivers today. In the past, we've talked running backs and quarterbacks. And if you've listened to those, you know the format is I'm going to bring up two players. We're going to give a little information about each player. And then we're going to kind of debate with each other on who we'd rather take, kind of defending it with certain stats from last year and years before, and then kind of seeing which one's a better value at that position. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this. Sounds like a great plan to me. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, The first two guys we're going to be talking about, uh, this one was actually requested by a Twitter follower. Um, Our Twitter, by the way, is at Shotgun Fantasy on Twitter. Um, These two guys play for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Obviously, we're talking wide receivers, so you can kind of guess who they are. We're talking Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. Um, These two guys... Uh, aren't being drafted around each other. Obviously, if you've done any mock drafts or looked at any ADP online, you know that Tyreek Hill is being taken probably a good 30 picks earlier than Sammy Watkins in most leagues, whether it's PPR or non-PPR. So when you look at these two guys, you kind of just have to evaluate how you feel about each one and see what value is best for taking that guy uh, in your opinion. So uh, starting off with Tyreek Hill, Um, A lot of people in the industry right now are kind of down on him. He's a big bust potential to a lot of analysts. I've listened to a lot of podcasts and just read a lot of articles daily in the industry. And people are not high on him. Um, I kind of feel that way a little bit. But there's part of me that says I think that he can continue to be the dynamic threat that he is. And um, I think that from year one to two, people expected regression a little bit because he was kind of a freak Uh, his rookie year I remember he had multiple touchdowns rushing receiving kick returning and all that Uh, but he just had a better season last year so I mean and people are saying that's his cap but I think he can continue to produce the way he's producing how do you feel about him you know
0: looking at uh, Tariq he did you know his numbers increased from year one to year two and usually it's they're worried about the sophomore slump and what we got going on there um, what I do have to say is, is while he's had some really good years, those have been under Alex Smith, and they got a great coach in Andy Reid. What worries me this year is, is that they're going to a newer quarterback, younger in Pat Mahomes, and. I think that's the biggest question for me in uh, Kansas City is what can Pat Mahomes do and what is he capable? And not only does he have Pat Mahomes, but he's got other mouths to feed like we talked about with Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey and you have Kareem Hunt in the backfield. So you got a really good cast around you, but the biggest question mark that I have is Pat Mahomes. What do you
1: think? I mean, I definitely feel that way. There's a big question mark around Pat Mahomes. But they trusted him enough to get—they got rid of Alex Smith, and they're like, all right, we're bringing him in. And I don't see the Chiefs the type of team to, like, get rid of their quarterback and just kind of take a year off to get Mahomes ready. I mean, I think he's obviously got the arm strength. Everyone's talking about that, and that really fits what Tyreek Hill can do and get down the field. Because that last year we saw that uh, that connection with Alex Smith and Tyreek Hill where he was able to toss some long bombs to him. I had him on a couple teams and I mean, some, t- some weeks it wasn't the greatest because if he didn't get a long touchdown, he maybe got like 50 yards. And if he did score a touchdown, I mean, that's still not that many fantasy points. Um, but I think Mahomes should be able to sling it down to him. And I think if they use Tyreek Hill effectively how he is, he's such a dy- dynamic threat. Um, he should be able to run some shorter slant routes and they should be able to get the ball to him. He really should kind of almost almost be, like, another Kareem Hunt option because he's so fast and quick. Like, if they just dump the ball off to him, it should help him, and then it doesn't really – it's not really that much work for Mahomes. The one thing that worries me about Tyreek Hill is that, like, last year, he had zero red zone touchdowns, so it seems like the Chiefs don't target him in the red zone. I don't know how many – I think he had, like, eight or nine touchdowns last year, uh, which is which is great. He had seven, yeah. Okay, seven, and I, I know at least four of those were – long bombs and then there was that one touchdown against dallas where i think the end of the half where he was scrambling uh with two seconds left and somehow got in the end zone but um well they zero go ahead uh, they, uh, you know you're talking about red zone
0: targets i mean you got a big guy in travis kelsey and you're gonna you're gonna use him i mean travis kelsey kind of in my opinion is gonna be the number one uh tight end this year just because i think that you know pat mahomes has got to get you know somebody that he trusts and kelsey's gonna be that guy so I think that's probably one of the reasons why you're looking at, uh, you know, Tree Hill not getting uh,
1: those red zone targets.
0: And I, I think the other thing, too, is the guy's only like five foot ten, so you're losing height there, too.
1: Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I do think that in the red zone, some little speedy receivers can get open and make plays in the red zone. Um, but... See what He scores seven touchdowns, and he has no red zone touchdowns. I feel like that touchdown total is going to be hard to duplicate and repeat. I mean, it's not that many touchdowns, but if all those touchdowns come from outside the 25-yard line, I mean, I mean that's pretty tough to do, especially for a rookie quarterback to be able to toss that many to him. But, I mean, and now we talk about Sammy Watkins coming in the offense. He should be a red zone threat. So I don't see Tyreek Hill getting any more red zone targets, if anything. Travis Kelsey might hurt a little bit, um, but just getting into talking about Watkins, I don't really feel like his value has changed more much this year from last year. I mean, he got paid big, so good for him. But there's just like the Rams, there's a lot of guy. There's a lot of guys that feed in that Rams offense with Robert Woods, Watkins, Gurley, Cooper Cup, all those guys. And he's coming over to the Chiefs, they got Kareem Hunt, they got Tarkandrick West, they got Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, so it's not much less crowded. So I don't see, um, I don't really see Sammy Watkins getting, like, more targets than he did last year, and I'm pretty sure he was only averaging, like, four targets a game with the Rams. He's kind of like a hit-or-miss guy. I mean, how do you feel about that?
0: I really do. I, you know, I was looking at some of his statistics, the statistical information as it pertains to Watkins, and, you know, and... Uh, a couple years ago you know he had 65 receptions when he first came in then it went down to 60 and then he had 28 and then last year in LA he had 39 um, receptions now his targets went from 128 to 96 to 52 to 70 so my question is is that are they just not trusting
1: him enough and you know or is, the, is that quarterback not trusting him enough I don't know. What we saw his rookie season was like, this guy's going to be star. And then he obviously went through injuries and maybe that still plays a play in this. Like maybe his in, maybe he's like still not healthy, even playing through a whole year and whatnot. I mean, we'll see coming into a new team. I mean, the Chiefs wouldn't give him all that money if there wasn't something that said, okay, this guy's ready to you know be that number one guy again. So hopefully that changes this year. But I mean, if Sammy Watkins has another year like he has in the past where he's not getting targeted a lot and he's... He's not putting up those big numbers. He's got that big body. He should be able to put up some pretty good numbers. If he doesn't do that, I mean, i am probably off the Watkins train forever. Like I'm not gonna consider him. I'm probably not drafting him this year anyway, but if it drops at the right value, I'll take a shot on him for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean you talk about money. I mean they give a forty eight million dollar contract and thirty of it's guaranteed.
1: That's a lot of money. That's like one that's some of the better money, definitely, for a wide receiver, especially all that guaranteed money. So that's I mean, that's awesome. But out of these two guys, I think Tyreek Tyre Hill is ADP right now. He's going wide receiver 14. He's going in the third round sometime. Uh, I'm sure in a bigger league, you might be going at the end of the second, if someone's tying him in a PPR league. Um, and then Watkins is going – he's the wide receiver uh, 27 right now and 64 overall, and these are this is 0.5 PPR. I'd probably – depending on how I went in my draft – I don't know if I'd be comfortable with Hill as my wide receiver one, but if I had two really good running backs, I would take him. Um, I'm probably not taking Watkins, even at the value uh, 64 overall. I think there's probably going to be some better picks around there. I'd rather take a flyer on. So, like I said, I'm, I'm higher on Kelsey and Hill. I like those guys. I think that offense gonna continue to go through those guys, Watkins there or not. So I'm taking Hill. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Uh, you know, I gotta agree with you. I'm I'm
0: definitely taking Hill over walk-ins. and you know, you talked about PPR, non PPR, and I, one of the things I want to throw at you though is is that um, if. Hill continues to get their punt, kick, return yardage that he's getting. Because we saw him take him to the house last year and the year before. And I, I think in leagues where you um, give value to punt and kick returners, I think that puts him into the mid-wide receiver one range, maybe close to a high-end wide receiver one. But in a non-kind of punt, kick, return um, league, I, I kind of put him kind of at the one, wide receiver two range for me. Yeah.
1: I- I think he's going to continue to get that work, and you're talking getting yardage, points for yardage uh, in fantasy. Um, even just him getting a touchdown from a kick return. I mean, he's. It seems like he's getting a few of those every year, and that adds up. You know, you put those touchdowns into what he's getting receiving too. Um, that's that adds to it. You still get the same amount of points for a touchdown for a kick return. So, and I don't see him going away from that. I mean, he's so fast and dynamic and electric. I mean, they're not going to just throw someone else in there. So. I think he'll continue to get that, and that factor alone—that's a good. That's definitely a good point to add. That that's a good reason why I'd pick him. Yeah, and I I agree. I any day I would
0: take him over Sammy Watkins at this point, and I think durability issue comes into play when you're dealing with Sammy Watkins. And I I just I don't trust him. I really don't.
1: At that, at that price, it's not worth the injury and or the injury uh, chances, and you don't know how he's going to go in that offense. You don't. You know Tyreek Hill. They're not going to go away from him. So, let me ask you
0: this one question though. You get a bigger league, okay, and you're in a twelve team plus PP you know, PPR league. Do you take Watkins mid mid draft or do you wait? Or let me also throw this at you. Do you draft Watkins as a handcuff to Hill?
1: I in a bigger league, I it just really depends and you get them. I would never draft I'm not drafting any handcuffed wide receivers. That's just I'm not doing that. I'd, I'm just going to get depth at the position, and then if one guy goes down, my next guy's stepping up. I'm not drafting anyone to back anyone up. I don't think if Hill went down, I don't know how much Sammy Watkins' value goes up. I mean, it definitely will, but I don't know how much. Uh, I, like I said, I'll throw a flyer in him, maybe in a bigger league. If it's PPR or something, and I get him at the right value, I will. But I, around where he's going, I like other guys.
0: Uh, yeah, sounds good to me. I totally agree with what you're saying.
1: All right, so let's go to uh, the next matchup. So that one we're going to take Tyreek Hill. All right, this next matchup, uh, you're pretty excited to talk about these two guys. are a couple of PPR dynamos that really thrive in PPR leagues. Uh, we're talking Golden Tate for the Detroit Lions versus Jarvis Landry, now with the Cleveland Browns. These are two guys that, like I said, really thrive in PPR leagues. They do a lot of their work right around the line of scrimmage, and they really thrive with that, and whether they're getting touchdowns or, you know, racking up the yardage. um, These are a couple of guys you really like to watch play and a couple of guys that are probably better NFL players than fantasy players. Um, But if you're playing a PPR league, then, I mean, any catch counts. So um, let's start it off with you. How do you feel about Golden Tate?
0: I feel pretty good with Golden Tate in a way. I'm not taking him as a one, but I am definitely considering taking him as a two and this, let me throw this at you. So he's been with Matthew Stafford since 2014 after coming over from Seattle. And in, in that time he's been targeted 144 times to 128 to 135 to 120. So he's averaging 132 plus or minus targets each year with about 93%, 93 receptions. Uh, and Then he's getting anywhere from 13.4 yards to 9 to 11.8 to 11.2 yards per catch um, and averaging about four touchdowns. And, you know, he's getting a high percentage of the targets from Matthew Stafford. And I was going through that time, and he's getting about 22.75% of the targets that Matthew Stafford's throwing. So I'm pretty confident that Stafford will continue to target um, Tate, we do have a new head coach there, but the important thing to remember for everybody, if they're not aware of this, they did keep the offensive coordinator. So the offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter,
1: is Jim back. Jim Bob Cooter. Yeah, I oh, love that name. He's got name. the
0: best name in the whole league, easily. <laughs> yeah, and he's back. So he's still retained with that system.
1: Yeah, if anything, they should, I mean, he, he should be the same, if not better. I mean, you hope that Matt Patricia can come in and be the head coach and actually lead the Lions with some wins, so... I mean, and Jim, Jim Bob Cooter's still there. They like him. They like what they're doing with Matthew Stafford, and I'm sure they like what they're doing with Marvin Jones and Golden Tate. I mean, if anything, they just need that run game. They should have a pretty good offense. So, I mean, I like Golden Tate. Only problem that I have with him is in 0.5 PPR leagues, he had six times last year where he was outside the top 50. I mean, that's pretty, that's a pretty good handful of the season. That's about, that's more than a third of the season that he's not even the top 50 wide receiver. So he pretty much busted those weeks for sure. Got nothing. Um, but then, obviously, he has a lot of catches every game. Um, but he's in a standard leagues. I guess it doesn't matter if standard leagues. But he's averaging only five touchdowns every single year. So you're really depending on that yardage. I mean, there's yard per catches it's pretty good, actually. But you're really depending on him and getting some touchdowns. And five just isn't really cutting it. And he's going right now as uh, wide receiver 22, 50 overall. It's about round four, early round four. I don't think I want that yeah i don't either that early i mean i'd rather stick around and wait for a guy like marvin jones Um, just in that offense i mean whether you're playing ppr or not i mean marvin jones has a much higher touchdown upside uh, but in a ppr league i would definitely rather wait one more round to grab a guy like tate he just i don't know he's consistent catching the ball but he's up and down when it comes to actually producing fantasy points
0: yeah, and I think what the big ping that you hit on is is the touchdowns. He's only averaging the four or five touchdowns a season, so that's not getting you many points. So essentially, like you said, you are re- heavily relying upon the yardage, and the yardage is not going to win you games. No,
1: it's definitely not. Like it's, You have to be playing a full-point PPR. He's going to have to catch the ball eight or seven to nine times for I mean that basically adds the value of scoring a touchdown right there so you need that kind of production every single game otherwise his yardage alone isn't going to be that great I don't think he's putting up too many 100 yard games I think I checked recently and he's got maybe six 100 yard games in the last two years so I mean it's really not that great he's not really that kind of receiver though that's putting up huge yardage he does a lot of work around the line of scrimmage and he'd be really valuable in like a league if you got like points for a first down or something, I mean, yeah, which I kind of I kind of like that idea. I mean, there's PPR and then there's the, I've seen I think the Scott Fishbowl does it. I've seen people talking about that where they get points for first downs, and that that kind of shows your value. I mean, sometimes I'm against full point PPR because I don't think anyone should get a catch for a one yard or a zero yard catch or a points for a zero yard catch. Um, but if he had a one yard catch and he got a first down. Give him a point. I think he deserved it. He worked for his team. I mean, that's football right there. So I I like that idea.
0: Yeah, and just one more thing. Um, You know, for Tate, Matthew Stafford likes to throw the ball. So, and, you know, he's throwing it a lot of times. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the, the upside that I think that Tate has in the positive is that they just throw the ball. And I'm really interested to see this year how Patricia – Uh, incorporates the Belichick way in Detroit and how he's able to uh, duplicate that if in any way because if the other thing that I think is also is the GM of the Detroit Lions used to be the GM in New England so it's it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and whether Patricia um, takes the Brady approach and starts throwing the ball throwing ball throwing the ball and whether it's short routes or it's those long routes I think if it's the short routes then Marvin Jones has more upside than um, Golden Tate does
1: yeah um, and yeah let's hope he can take what he learned from or you know Belichick and bring it over because uh, Tom Brady does actually succeed a lot with some shorter routes. He throws a lot of short balls to his running backs, to the guys like Edelman, Chris Hogan. You know, Gronkowski obviously is a little more down the field threat, um, but I think Jones and Tate could definitely thrive from Matt Stafford throwing like that. And you're right, he definitely throws the ball a lot. Matt Stafford's Mr. Consistent when it comes to putting up yardage and decent amount of touchdowns every year. Um, so that's why people are high on like guys like Kenny Galladay because there's just so many targets to go around coming from Matt Stafford that, like, there's a chance that Kenny Galladay could have standalone value in a deeper league. So, like you said, he's the number two. I mean, considerably number one or two, if you however you, you know, rank Jones and Tate. But um, if he's the number two, he's definitely going to get a lot of targets. Uh, let's go talk about Jarvis Landry. New to the Browns, came from Miami. Um, some are, everyone's really excited about just him having a new home because he couldn't really seem to— get it going in Miami he just got talked about over the last few years coming out of LSU just really being such a like a dynamic player and he does a lot of his work around the line of scrimmage kind of like Golden Tate um I'm interested and he had a pretty good season last year with Jay Cutler his best season I think he put up what he put up nine touchdowns I mean that was definitely an outlier compared to the rest of his years uh on the Dolphins he I think before he was putting up like two maybe three touchdowns a a year and that that was a big reason people had all these question marks around Landry um, so we're hoping that um, what, he ha- what he put up last year, nine touchdowns, he can maybe be somewhere in the middle uh, when he comes over to Cleveland.
0: Yeah, and let me give you this little bit of nugget. I went back and I looked at Taylor to Watkins and what Tyrod Taylor did in Buffalo with Watkins. And in 2015, you know, he threw 96 targets towards Watkins and completed 25% of those or 25% of those targets were from passes that he threw, and then in 2016, I went and looked at the statistics from when Tyrod Taylor was in and Watkins was in at the same time, and he got 43 targets uh, towards Watkins out of 193 attempts. So you figure he's throwing to, he threw to Sammy Watkins 22.7% of the time in Buffalo, so I think in this situation with Jarvis Landry, he's way better than Sammy Watkins is and will ever be. And I just think that if Tyrod Taylor latches on to um, Jarvis Landry, he's going to completely blow Tate out of the water in, in this particular matchup.
1: What I'm feeling about this, this, this is the problem I have with Jarvis Landry going to Cleveland. There's a lot of miles to feed there as well. um I definitely think Landry's gonna get the most targets on the team well with guys like especially running backs like Duke Johnson, who's really good out of the backfield. you got Tyrod Taylor, who likes to run the ball. he doesn't necessarily throw for high yardage every year. I think he's around three thousand yards every year. It's really not anything too crazy because he does a lot of work on the ground. and then you got Josh Gordon and we don't really know how much how many targets he's gonna get. and then you got maybe Corey Coleman. I mean, we'll see how that is. I don't know if they're gonna trade him or anything, but there's a lot of mouths to feed. So I don't know if a situation got that much better coming from Miami. Miami they uh, Miami quarterbacks gave the ball to wide receivers or targeted wide receivers 63% of the time, and the Browns only do it 52% of the time. And that's a pretty big difference. I'm pretty sure Miami was definitely higher up there to give targets to receivers. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. I mean, like I said, with Duke Johnson there and Tyrod Taylor doing a lot of work in the ground, I'm not really a big fan of Landry. I'm anxious to see what can happen, and if he starts out pretty hot, I might put out a trade uh, offer for someone. But last year, being a breakout with touchdowns, this guy's really only valuable to me in a full PPR league because I think he's going to get the targets, but he's not going to get as many as he did last year or the years before. Um, he's just not worth ADP in my line, in my mind. Well, I, I gotta say I disagree with you on this one, my man. And and the reason why I
0: disagree with you on it is is that when. Tyrod Taylor was in Buffalo, he had LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy in my, for a few years there was what the, probably the top three rusher in the league I mean he, he kind of slipped a little bit last year to I think number six but the fact is in the last three years since coming to Philly he's been in the top five each year in rushing where's Duke Johnson been he hasn't been in the top five and you had Tyrod Taylor who was running the ball there and you had Sammy Watkins catching passes and, and so on so that's why I think that because he's coming to a different system he's got a well he's got to bet not at great of a running back as compared to a LaShawn McCoy and he's got two really good wide receivers one which will you know Josh Gordon which we'll talk about in a little bit but you know Jarvis Landry is a great athlete he's a really good wide receiver and that's why I feel like you know if you're going to look at these two Tate versus Landry that's why I am more optimistic um, about Landry than I am Golden Tate so are you supporting a, a good Tyrod Taylor campaign this year then you know Cleveland is the place where quarterbacks go to die, in my opinion. Um, But I am hoping, you know, always every year, fingers crossed, you know, Cleveland happens to have one of the best offensive lines, maybe not the best offensive line, but they do usually every year have a great offensive line. I don't think that he saw that kind of offensive line in Buffalo. So I think that's going to help him. I think he's got at least two good running backs out of the backfield, which he only had one in Buffalo, and then you got your great receivers. So I think there is that potential for high upside for Tyrod Taylor this year and Jarvis Landry.
1: Man, I think it's crazy that, like, Everyone in the industry, just football fans in general, are excited to watch the Browns this year. Yeah, I'm actually one of them. They watch the Browns and see what they do. They they
0: really made a lot of good moves this off season. and I think it's kind of at a point where you get it done this year, or you're not getting it done at all.
1: Yeah, I'd love to see some success, but these guys right now, going as the Landry's going wide receiver 26, Tate wide receiver 22, um, Landry's going about two rounds later. Uh, I'll agree with you, though. I would rather take Landry for his value. I think that their upside is pretty much similar, so I'd rather take the value in, uh, in two rounds later for Landry. Yeah,
0: I'll I'll, I'll go with that.
1: All right, so we're talk- we talked Tate, Landry. We talked Watkinson Hill. We're going to go up the draft board to a couple big-name guys that are bound to finish in the top five this year. We're talking Michael Thomas with the Saints, and we're talking big-body wide receiver in Atlanta – julio jones these are two fantasy superstars every single year year in and year out michael thomas two years in the league but he's definitely shown that he can ball up and he's coming out this year doing the same thing he did year one year two um these two guys are really big body receivers and they handle a lot of the targets in their offense with their gunslinging quarterbacks matt ryan drew Brees. starting talking about michael thomas michael thomas is setting record paces for targets and receptions for a receiver in his first two years in the league, um, he had fewer than eight targets just twice last year. Just twice. He is the guy in this offense. If you want Mister Consistent, gonna get the workload. You draft Michael Thomas. If you don't want to you know, if you don't want any question marks, if you're debating Julio Jones and Michael Thomas, and this is why we're talking about it. If you want to be a little safer, you're taking Michael Thomas all day. But if you want the higher upside, because we've seen Julio Jones do it go for over 1600 yards and put up like nine touchdowns you're taking julio but it depends on whether you're waiting around for julio to have a bounce back season when it comes to actual touchdown uh, percentage
0: yeah and you know i think what essentially maybe made people more attracted at the end of the season to julio jones as far as yardage wise because he did um, beat out uh, Thomas in yardage was only because he had several games where he like caught the ball and went like bonkers and ran it for like long distances and and that's really where he got his yardage from in a lot of games. Uh, you know, however, on the flip side of things, you you do have an older quarterback in Drew Brees who's thirty nine. He's going to be going on forty. Matt Ryan's thirty three. Um, you know, as far as Thomas goes, you know he him and um, you know, Jones were kind of competitive on targets. I think Thomas had 149, uh, Jones had 148, um, even though uh, Thomas did catch 104 balls versus Jones who caught 88. So it's just like you could see that he got more yards per catch than Thomas did, but then Thomas beat him out on the touchdowns. So I really do see that, you you know, Breeze, has his target in Thomas and I, I just think he's looking Thomas's way a lot.
1: Yeah and Thomas didn't really put up that many touchdowns either, five touchdowns compared to I think he had eight or nine his rookie season. Um so there's not really that big of a difference there. But he did have he did have several called back
0: on really bad plays. I had made. him on
1: a couple of my teams and it was very frustrating to watch him because he was getting so many targets and looks especially in the red zone. And before you see it, you know, you'd be checking your fantasy app or something, and it would pop up and it would say, touchdown Michael Thomas, and, you know, come to look a couple minutes later, he didn't get the points for it. So then you go watch the highlights of the game if you weren't watching that game, and you're like, and they were, some of them I thought were bad calls. I remember following them pretty, mm-hmm. pretty well last year, and it's it definitely sucked. So I, I think he'll, even though Drew's, uh, Drew Brees is old and whatnot, and his touchdown percentage went down way last year, or like a lot last year, um, I think he's going to continue to get the same amount of targets. I mean, there's no one else there in in, uh, in New Orleans. I mean, who was the number two there last year? Um, who we talking? I mean, I have no idea what the number
0: two was in New Orleans. Tag in.
1: Tag in or something. Sometimes he oh. had some big games. Um, Willie Sneed's just, gone. Willie Sneed's gone. He's in Baltimore. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just, there's no one else there. I'm taking Michael Thomas. Like, he's really, really. Just super consistent, and I like what he's doing. I think he's going to continue just to be the guy he was in his first two seasons. And Julio Jones, like you mentioned, he had a couple games where, and this is how it is every year, at least it has been in the last few years, a couple games where he's got over 150 yards. He had one game last year where he had 250 yards. That, and, you know, props to him because the last three seasons he's put up over 1,400 yards. But yardage doesn't always portray to how good of a fantasy player he was. He might have finished as a top three guy, but. He might have lost me a couple weeks because he only put up three points. You know, that one game where he scored 40 points or 35 points was great, but that was good that week. We're not playing a points league. Most fantasy leagues are head-to-head points, so you really want to spread that out. and That's why people like Michael Thomas, because he could give you that consistent 80 yards maybe a touchdown, 90 yards, PPR leagues, eight eight receptions, seven receptions. He's constantly putting in the work. You're not going to have any duds in there. So yep. because of that, these guys are going around very, very, very close. Um, wide receiver five for Thomas, wide receiver four for Jones, 14th and 15th overall. I mean, they're right next to each other. So you take your pick. There's some guys that are Julio Jones truthers. And I think this year is either people jumped off the Julio train for good, or this is the last. this is the last time. If he doesn't put up over four or five touchdowns. I'm for sure never considering him again, and that sucks because he's really, really talented, but I'd rather take Michael Thomas.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Thomas, and, and the reason why I'm going to go with Thomas is is that I'm, I'm slightly concerned right now is, is that Julio Jones wants more money. He deserves a bit more money, but the fact is is that they're the Falcons themselves are unwilling to rework his contract at this time and work with him, so part of me feels like that's going to potentially
1: play a role in this season. Yeah, that can be concerning. I kind of forgot about that recent news that was going on where Julio Jones is wanting a contract extension. You wonder how that's going to affect his actual play this season, whether he's going to try and ball out for a contract extension that they wouldn't give him or if he's just going to test the water. So, yeah, I mean, that's definitely some risky – waters to be swimming in but like we said i think we both agree michael thomas is the pick here these guys with adps so close i'd rather take with the first surefire guy thomas
0: yeah um yeah i'm gonna go with uh, thomas too but um you know i do like the fact that what that offensive line was doing in atlanta last year i think it gave Ryan more time to throw the ball Uh, and and they do have some really good running backs there and as long as both of them can stay healthy I think that that provides opportunities downfield but when you take a really good look at it you're looking at two wide receivers who really in my opinion are kind of like their only big-time options but when I'm looking at the New Orleans Saints I look at that the only person I feel like on offense other than Mark Ingram or Alvin Kamara is Michael Thomas and so I, I got to go Thomas
1: yeah and I do see the Atlanta Falcons bouncing back last year I think maybe that was just some like getting used to with the new Steve uh Steve Sarkeesian offense I think they should get back to what they were kind of the year before with Kyle Shanahan maybe not the same because he really likes to work those two running back sets and whatnot and run the ball and that really opens stuff up for maybe guys like Julio uh, but I see some more success with them. So, I mean, I am intrigued. I think if you do like Jones, I think you can get him or you're getting him at a really good value because in the past he's gone in the first round. So now you're getting him in the second round. He's slipping. You can get him in maybe in the mid second round, depending on how the guys in your league draft. So if he has a good season, I mean, he could win you your league based on that value, getting him down there. Uh, but like we said, Michael Thomas, I mean, it's, it's whoever you like, this is pretty much splitting hairs.
0: Yeah, and and I could see Jones going in the first round, Thomas fall into the second round in a lot of leagues. And if you're getting him in the second round, you're getting tremendous value in the second round. And I I I'm telling you, I could see him slipping to the sec, second round, but if you can swipe him up in the second round, you're you should go after him if he's there.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Any of these guys. Any of these big-name wide receivers, they're all becoming second-round picks because of the birth of the running back, have to have a running back, is back, and that's taken up most of the first round. So these guys that were once first-round picks are now really, really good values in the second round. Yeah. All right, so we're going to be talking now about two guys, some down-the-field threats. Uh, we're going to be talking Doug Baldwin in Seattle and then T.Y. Hilton in Indianapolis. Uh, these are two guys have— Pretty interesting careers. T. Y. Hilton has been very, very successful when when Andrew Luck is on the field. And Doug Baldwin has had a couple seasons regressing from that big 14-yard campaign or 14-touchdown campaign he put up a few years ago. Um, These guys are going right now in the third round around the 3.2 and the 3.7 for Hilton. Um, I think Hilton's ADP will rise up, especially with that recent news that Andrew Luck is going to be a full participant in camp. Um, So I'm going to be looking at him to get him as my wide receiver one as long as he doesn't move up too much into the second round. Um, But in the past, we've seen him be able to put up those big yardage and pretty decent touchdown numbers uh, and be a wide receiver one uh, in the league. Uh, With Duck Baldwin, uh, like I said, he's finished. uh, He's declined three consecutive years. kind of worries me. Uh, but I think they're going to be in a lot of shootouts this year because of the defense uh, that they've uh, gotten rid of a lot of guys in Seattle. Yeah,
0: and you know with uh, uh, the Graham moving on uh, from Seattle, and not like they really did much of anything with Jimmy Graham in Seattle, anyways. But I think with Graham moving on, I think that puts more targets towards uh, Doug Baldwin's way. Um, and I just you know, as far as uh, targets to receptions go. Uh, you know, Ty Hilton's fifty-eight point four three percent reception rate versus Doug Baldwin's of seventy-one percent on average. So I really like Doug Baldwin uh, from that perspective, especially like being in a like a PPR league, knowing that he has a higher per, uh, catch percentage than Ty Hilton does um you know in in you know that that offense right there is running through russell wilson you know as we talked about you know off air was that you know russell wilson had like 86 percent of the total offense you know combined in uh seattle last year so you know as far as you know you know target rate goes from the quarterback like you know they're really close and they got both have great connections i i think what concerns me though is is that where does Andrew Luck stand coming off an injury, uh, especially a shoulder injury, to his throwing arm?
1: Yeah, that's definitely the question mark. I mean, I think everyone's just very optimistic and would like to see him come back fully healthy and be the guy he was a few years ago. Or, yeah, I guess it's been a while since he played. So, yeah, I mean, him and T.Y. seem to have had that connection, and Ty's is really, really good when Andrew Luck is on the field. So, I mean, everyone's going to be looking at him. Uh, but when it comes to Doug Baldwin, like you said with Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham had almost 100 targets last year, and I don't see a, them having a tight end. I don't know who their tight end is. Is It Luke Wilson? Did they keep there? Or I forgot who they even have. Um, but I don't. There's no way that tight end's going to get 100 targets and 57 receptions for 10 touchdowns. You know, there's a lot. We're taking. We're spreading that out around the thin, already thin wide receiver court. Doug Baldwin should get a lot more work than he has gotten since Jimmy Graham arrived in Seattle. Uh, my question is, is: Do you really think he can ever get close to that? F- not fourteen, maybe, but the around the ten touchdown mark that you know he put up a few years ago.
0: No, and and here's why: Going back to having, um, you know, Jimmy Graham gone, you know, you know, you're, you're going to be putting your number one, and, and if they're already doing that, they're putting their number one DB on him, and thus they're going to know that. Doug Baldwin's going to be more heavily targeted this year. And obviously we're going to be aware that T.Y. Hilton's going to be heavily targeted, but they play in two different divisions, and I think that, uh, you know, Doug Baldwin's in a tougher division as far as defensively goes than T.Y. Hilton. So I really think in this matchup, I'm actually shooting for upside this year, and if, if, if Andrew Luck is healthy and he's back to old Andrew Luck, I think that T.Y. Hilton's the person to take.
1: Oh, absolutely. Where he's going right now, T.Y. Hilton's a no-brainer over Doug Baldwin, especially going a few picks behind him. But I think he will jump him in ADP uh, by the time the season starts. If we see Luck playing some preseason games, he's going to – I mean, Hilton's going to be selected and probably in the second round. I think he's going to move up and being considered with guys like Mike Evans and A.J. Green right there. Because uh, those guys are going in, in the mid second and the smaller leagues, maybe in the end of the second. Um, so I think that's where he'll go. Out of these two guys, like yeah, I'll go with Hilton. I'll, I'll even even if he hops his ADP a little bit, Duck Ball wins. I'll I'll still take Hilton. I'm not really a big Seattle true through when it comes to their offense. You don't really know what's going to happen. We really got to hope that Rashad Penny can bring something for them and Chris Carson can come back and do what he was doing last year, coming off that injury. If they can get the running game going, I think everything in that offense should move a little more. And they're going to be in a lot of shootouts that defense took a real hit
0: yeah the running game is is really important in Seattle and it'll be interesting to see if if that can get going and I think if that can get going then and and that offensive line because that's one of the worst offensive lines in the National Football League I think if the offensive line can get better then I think that'll give um, Russell Wilson some more time he'll feel more comfortable in the pocket he can throw the ball and I think that that proves valuable to Doug Baldwin in the end Um, but I'm I'd be honest with you. In my opinion, I'm actually not going to completely shy away from Doug Baldwin. I'll probably look his way if the um, if it's right, if it's at the right spot.
1: Yeah, I definitely won't shy away from him. I mean, if depending on who I pick before that, I don't know if I'd be super comfortable with him as my wide receiver one. But he could be, and sometimes if I have two good, really two good running backs, and I, Baldwin's the best receiver there, I'll take him because I want. I know he's got the upside to put up wide receiver, one numbers, top 12 numbers. So I'll take him in a certain situation for sure. I'm definitely not shying him away. But everyone just wants to see that Andrew Luck's back and healthy and making T.Y. a fantasy star again. So I think that's kind of where I'm at. I want a piece of that, especially if I get him at a good value. Yeah. All right. So now that we talked T.Y. Hilton and Doug Baldwin – we're going to keep moving down the train. we got a couple more matchups to talk about. We're going to be talking about now Cleveland Browns receiver again, not Landry. We're talking Josh Gordon, and we're talking him versus Juju Smith-Schuster in Pittsburgh. Josh Gordon, what an NFL career this guy has. Um, as far as actual stats, he's had maybe one good season, and last year he played okay when he came off the suspension. We haven't seen that much all we know is he's a freak of nature talent wide receiver body spec it's just amazing i mean this guy is a freak you've seen pictures of this guy in the off season. he just looks yoked like and i don't know how good that actually translates to on the field play but i mean this guy looks like he, he can body anyone and you know overpower any db out there so that's definitely
0: yeah his abs look like they can crack my head open
1: yeah, like I yeah, he could literally like headbutt me but with his chest and I'd probably get a concussion. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's it's just crazy. He's definitely super yoked <laughs> and he should be able to have some success strictly off his physical ability. Um but we're we're going to be talking against him uh against Juju Smith-Schuster in Pittsburgh who had a really 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 impressive rookie campaign with Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown opposite, uh, kind of taking some attention off of him. Um, Out of these two guys I really like, uh, I'll just say kind of what I like from both guys. Uh, Josh Gordon. I like his physical specimen. I like how big he is, and I like what he did in, what year was that, 2013? Is is that when it was? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, 2013 he had those back-to-back-to-back 200-yard games. And, uh he was just dominating. He finished as the wide receiver one that year, and that's what everyone just has this Josh Gordon thing in their head. They're t- picking him off waivers two years ago because they hear he might come back. They just know what he's able to do. Uh, so I'm excited to watch that. Like I said, we're excited to watch the Cleveland offense. Kind of weird, but part of it is because I'm excited to see Josh Gordon um, come back and play in that offense. Uh, this all comes back to Tyrod Taylor again and how many yards can he actually throw for He's usually capped at 3,000, but like you said, without LaShawn McCoy, they have a kind of a bigger question mark at, at running back as far as can they be as productive as like a superstar like LaShawn McCoy altogether. Um, so he might have to put up a few more yards uh, through the air, maybe get up to that 3,500 uh, mark. So I think Josh Gordon's going to be pretty much touchdown. I don't want to say touchdown dependent. I think he's going to get a lot of red zone targets. So if he gets a lot of touchdowns, I think he'll be worth it but I just don't know how many how much work he's actually going to get. Like I said, I think Landry's going to get the most targets in that offense.
0: Yeah, um, you know, as far as looking at this, Landry is going to get the most targets in that offense. Gordon's going to be there, and there is so much upside to Josh Gordon. It's unbelievable. It's, it's up, you know, out of the charts. And, uh, you know, I got to believe ha- with uh, Tyrod Taylor having a better – offensive line again like that we talked about earlier and with you know that that running back situation not being as great as it was for him in Buffalo um, and you know now having some really good wide receiver duo there gosh there's so much so much to do and the talents there I you know but my question is can he live up to that hype Um, Mm -hmm. he has the skills he's young enough uh, as long as he can stay um, not physically healthy but healthy from staying off illegal substances that got him into trouble
1: yeah Uh, we'll see if that is an issue anymore in the near future i think i like to think that he's back and he's ready to work and he's ready he's got that life in the past but you know we haven't really seen him play besides a small sample size last year of him you know sober on the field he's come out admittedly saying he's been you know not sober playing football when he was super successful back in 2013 um and he was putting up superstar numbers but i mean it's kind of weird to say but maybe he's better like that maybe he's better when he's more relaxed like that and i think that's the reason why he's in such good shape now is because maybe he's thinking all right i gotta figure out something else I, you know i can't be all loose with all this illegal substance so i gotta I got to, you know, add to my physical ability and give myself the advantage there somehow. I mean, some guys are like that. Maybe he's got an advantage because he's doing drugs and drinking. I mean, who knows? I mean, he put up back-to-back-to-back 200-yard games, so, I mean, I'm not going to argue with the guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I don't like his ADP, though. He's <laughs> he's going as a wide receiver 12 in the third round. That's, I can't draft him as wide receiver one. I mean, maybe if you take one of those guys in the beginning, he could be a, a decent wide receiver two, but... That's really high to throw a dart, especially on this Cleveland offense. Like We, we just have so many question marks. We're talking like, oh, we, we know Landry's going to get the most targets. We just don't know what Tyrod's going to do. doing. What's their run game going to be like? What is Gordon going to get a lot of targets? Is he going to be really good? Is he going to be able to be that guy he was in 2013? I mean, there's so many question marks. And to invest your third round pick in that, it's pretty risky.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, and then, you know, we, we talk about Juju Smith-Schuster as the guy opposite that we're comparing him to. And, um is i mean as far as the, hey who's better and you know with juju smith schuster we we at least know who we're getting for in a quarterback in ben roethlisberger we, we know that you know antonio brown's on the other side we now know that martavius bryant is gone in um in steeler land and so therefore uh that bodes well for juju smith schuster in that offense, and he, you know, he had Graham. I mean, I picked him off the waiver wire last year myself because he was doing so well. And I'm like, this guy's got really good raw talent. And knowing that, you know, you all have DBs go after Antonio Brown, while they may pay a little bit more attention to Smith Schuster, they know what Antonio Brown can do. Therefore, and you know, they're going to go after him. Antonio Brown's been. I think the consensus number one wide receiver the last few years so therefore you're not going to leave him uncovered you're not going to not pay attention to that guy and uh um and then you know with with gordon you know they can be either covered by either one so i think juju smith schuster really in this particular situation um he's got high upside and so on i just think if ben Roethesberger stays healthy because he's kind of, you know, he's taking a lot of hits. Even though they got a good offensive line, he's taken a lot of hits over the years. And you see him out there, it's like you got to get him an old man, you know, walker, and so he can walk and go from one place to another. (laughs) Um, And it's just because he's, you know, he's getting hit a lot and he's getting hit hard. I mean, they're not easy hits. I mean, you look at that Baltimore defense, he's getting slammed by those guys.
1: Um, Yeah. It's hard to watch Ben play nowadays. I mean, he's still putting in work out there. I mean, he's still producing pretty good fancy numbers for being how old he is and just how big he is and how how many injuries he's taken on his career and whatnot. Um, But, yeah, it is tough to watch him. It's tough to watch him run around and whatnot because he's not – very you know mobile he when you watch him run around he looks like my dad out there running around like he cannot <laughs> run that well and it's he's just a big guy and like and he's a pocket passer and he doesn't get a lot of rushing yards and whatnot so it's it's what you expect but I mean when it comes to Juju I like you mentioned with Antonio Brown being the opposite receiver of the number one receiver in the league he's the best receiver in the league I'll say that right now and anyone can argue with me Julio Jones blah blah, blah more talented Antonio Brown has shown year in and year out that he is the best wide receiver in the league right now, and he's got Big Ben tossing him the ball, great quarterback, wide receiver combo. He's going to be taking the number one DB, and he still puts up with that work. That just shows how good Antonio Brown is. He gets double teamed. He gets the best cornerback on every team. doesn't matter. He puts up amazing numbers, and that just helps a guy like Juju. We saw what he can do last year, and he showed some light. He showed that, wait, maybe Big Ben can support a wide receiver one, and of high-end wide receiver, too, you know, in the same offense. Because we saw what Martavis Bryant could do a few years ago. That's the reason they kept giving him a chance, Martavis Bryant, with suspensions for drugs and whatnot. And, you know, maybe he, they weren't able to bring him back in last year. I mean, they they brought him back, but it didn't really work out as far as target share and him being able to show what he was able to do a few years ago. But if he can kind of have the role Martavis had a few years ago, we know that, I mean, Martavis was putting up high wide, wide receiver one numbers. I mean, those were... If they can do that, I think Juju's worth the pick here. His ADP is somewhere in the fourth round. Um, I would take him if I was, if I went running back, receiver, running back, or you know, two running backs and a receiver somehow. I would take him as a wide receiver two all day and fill out those two positions right away. I would be happy with Juju right there. Um, I don't think people are saying in some leagues in bigger leagues his ADP is like somehow getting up into the second round or something. I don't know if you've seen this. I can't. I mean, I could invest that kind of pick in him. But if I get him in the, I don't know, late third in a bigger league, in the fourth round for sure, I would take Juju.
0: I think in a PPR league, like if you've got a, one, a full one-point PPR league and you're in a bigger league, I can see the second round and because the targets will be there. And I think also too, what bodes well for Juju is that they got Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. You know, that said, you know, he as long as they work through these contract issues and, and get him in, we—I I don't think he's going to miss any time personally. But I mean, they have a really good running back, so there are so many threats on this Steeler offense that's not there for Gordon and the Cleveland offense, which is why. Time and time again, we see the number two, like you just said, in Pittsburgh, have really good high wide receiver two, low wide receiver one numbers. So, I, really, I, I think Juju in a PPR league can be a low wide receiver one, definitely high rece- wide receiver two, and a non-standard. I think he's middle to upper.
1: Yeah, like you were just saying, I I like that they have Le'Veon Bell because I think any offense where they have a really good running back it actually makes better for the receivers because it takes that attention off. You grab some of the safeties, having to you know fill out for that running back, getting past the line and whatnot, um, and it really frees them up out there. And it goes back to my one piece of advice that I really like to give is when you draft in fantasy, draft players on really good offenses. And Pittsburgh year in and year out has you know the dynamic threats of Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, they have Ben Roethlisberger, you know. Having those guys in your offense, and and then Juju, I mean, these guys are all, I mean, Pittsburgh has got to be in the the top five every year and putting up points. So, uh, And like I always say, like the Chargers or the Patriots or something like that, or the Falcons, you want guys on these teams uh, because they're able to put up a lot of points and support wide receiver ones, wide receiver twos, a running back one, a QB one. I mean, you want guys on that team, and Juju fits that right there. He would be the wide receiver two on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he'll have an opportunity to score a lot of fantasy points this year so out of these two guys based on where they're drafted and even if they were being drafted around the same time I'd probably take Juju I really like what I saw last year I think he can uh have just as good of a season he did last year probably better and we saw what he was able to do without Antonio Brown so if anything ever did happen to Antonio Brown which I'm definitely not wishing him because he's good for football he's good for fantasy he's good to you know be in there healthy any player um when he went out Juju put up multiple 100-yard games with a touchdown. He showed that he could be even a wide receiver one. So uh, I really like what I saw there when Antonio Brown was out. So just because of that, I'm taking Juju. I like his upside a little better.
0: I do like his upside, but what concerns me in Pittsburgh is Ben Roethlisberger getting hurt. That's -hmm. what concerns me. I do not think that they have a – quality backup not saying that cleveland does because they you know they just drafted baker mayfield but i still do think that you know if you know tyrod taylor's a little younger probably can stay a little bit more healthier than ben roethlisberger at this point in time i i don't know i got mason rudolph now they i i really like juju smith-suster but i'm gonna go with a flyer on this one and take gordon in that ADP,
1: you'd take him one round earlier.
0: I don't know if I'd take him one round earlier because I don't know if essentially he would fall to me. Um, but I, God, it's so hard. I, I mean, it's a good comparison. It's they're really they're they're both really good. Um, yeah, and I really think that, in all honesty, Gordon has the skills, the abilities, and he has the athleticism to really be a high wide receiver one. And that's why I'm taking Gordon over Juju, even though Juju is really, really good and he can be a wide receiver one. I just think that Gordon has the higher upside.
1: Yeah, I, you're right. I do agree that Gordon has probably a little higher upside. I like Juju's floor a lot better than, um, I like Juju's floor. The idea of him having a better floor, better than Josh Gordon's potential ceiling. Um, but man, let's put Josh Gordon on the Steelers and <laughs> with Big Ben and then put that out there. I'd love to see that. Um, let's hope that Baker Mayfield and Josh Gordon can grow something in the next few years if Baker gets to start. Um, but out of these two guys, yeah, I'll take either one depending on their value. But I like Juju a little better. You like Gordon. We'll agree to disagree. All right, we'll talk about our last matchup. Uh, we're going to talk about the veteran, the guy, one of my favorite players in the NFL, Larry Fitzgerald. Versus Allen Robinson. Uh, This is a pretty good comparison. Um, Allen Robinson's going just a little bit later than Larry Fitzgerald, I believe. I think he's going like eight picks later. Wide receiver 20 for Robinson. Wide receiver 16 for Fitz. Fitz has shown every single year, no matter how much we want to write him off, this guy's too old. He's going to regress. He's consistently putting up numbers. I mean, he has put three straight years, over 100 receptions, over 1,000 yards. He's the perfect candidate to go ahead and grab in the fourth round as your wide receiver too, with potential to put up wide receiver one, uh, one numbers any single week. Um, I love Larry Fitzgerald. He's, like I said, one of my favorite players in the NFL. He never drops balls. He gets a lot of receptions, a lot of targets. No, get Put any quarterback out there, they're going to throw it to him because he's Mr. Reliable on the field. Love Larry Fitz. And I actually think that Sam Bradford, if he can stay healthy, is one of the better quarterbacks that... Uh, Larry Fitzgerald has actually played with, uh, at least in the more recent years. Carson Palmer has kind of been regressing over the last few years. He got older, and now he's obviously retired. And then last year, playing with Drew Stanton and who else did they have, Blaine Gabbert, or I, for, I forgot who else was starting for them. But it's and he still put up pretty good numbers with those guys because he's such a good safety net in that offense. And I love Larry Fitzgerald.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, Larry Larry Fitzgerald is just one of the best athletes overall in in the NFL and and let me you know let me dig into that a little bit deeper and what I mean by that is is that he not only has athleticism but he he's a really good quality person and to have that quality of an individual on your team you know shows leadership just shows how well rounded, he is as a person, and like you said, I mean, he's catching what like 109 balls three years ago, 107 catches last uh, year before last, and then 109 last year. I mean, this guy is getting the targets, he's uh, averaging 71% of the targets or 71, 71% of the receiving, so he's catching the ball 71% of the time. So, therefore, I mean, that's really good, that's really good hands now. Like you said, Bradford. The big issue is can Bradford stay healthy? Um, you know, multiple injuries. I think to the you know to the shoulder and so on, and the knee. And it's like you know he's in the AFC West, and the AFC West is very very difficult. You know, and you know I don't know if that Arizona offensive line is the greatest. However, I will say this: I'm actually more excited about Josh Rosen in. Arizona for a quarterback than I am Bradford I do believe this I think that if Rosen can get in I think that will accelerate Larry Fitzgerald uh, even more and I think that he'll get a lot more targets just because Rosen will look at him as Mr. Reliable.
1: True and I was thinking the same thing I didn't necessarily think that maybe he would get more work with Rosen but I thought that he would be a very, very good bailout and a good safety net for Josh Rosen. And people said that Josh Rosen was the most pro-ready quarterback. Um, so if that is the truth and he does get in the game, I think Larry Fitzgerald is the perfect guy, veteran status, wide receiver, to put out there with a rookie quarterback to you know help him out, be in the right position to catch the ball at the right times. Um, I think he's that'd be the perfect combo for Josh Rosen. I'm actually excited for Josh Rosen to get in the game. And let's face it, he's gonna get in the game. Sam Bradford's gonna go down, he's a walking piece of glass. It happens every single year, which is sad for the guy's career, but he, you know, he's really accurate. Either of these quarterbacks being in there, I think Larry's like you shouldn't worry about the quarterback at all while drafting Larry Fitzgerald this year. I really don't think so. I mean, you can think rookie quarterback whatever, but like I said, I think we're I think he's gonna be fine there. Um No matter what. So, I and another reason I like Larry Fitzgerald is the Browns are out of town, which means that Jerron Brown and John Brown are out of town. Who else do they have there? I mean, they just drafted Christian Kirk. But, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk, is that all they got? And they got David Johnson back. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald's targets are not going anywhere. We know that for sure. I mean, even if those guys were there, they weren't going anywhere. But, I mean, is he going to get more targets this year because those guys are gone?
0: uh yeah you know what what does concern me slightly is those guys being gone, and by those guys being gone, it puts a bigger emphasis and a and more weight on larry Fitzgerald Gerald's soldiers shoulders to produce and um so that's I mean that's that's a hard thing, but having David Johnson back is going to be even better for Larry Fitzgerald just because again, you know, like with every team, you have a good running game, you can take the pressure off of, you know, the wide receivers, the quarterback because there's an additional th- dual threat right there that, you know, hey, this guy can take it the distance if you're not paying attention. So, um I really I really really do like Larry Fitzgerald. I think he's a really good cor- um wide receiver. I think, again, like you said, Sam Bradford stays healthy, he'll do well. But I am really uh, interested to see what he can do with Josh Rosen in like that veteran status and helping Rosen grow and, and develop. Um, the other thing that's interesting, though, too, is, is that they do have a new head coach this year.
1: Yes, this is his first season without Bruce Arians, so I'm interested to see how they change the offense up. I'm also interested to see exactly how they put these guys on the field because Larry's been working out of the slot for the last couple of years, but that's kind of Christian Kirk's kind of role. He's kind of a slot kind of guy. So I'm interested to see on who goes to the outside and how that actually affects their play on the field. So we'll have to stay and see. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely a little, that's a question mark with Bruce Arians gone. Um, We'll see what the new coach can do.
0: Yeah, yeah, and like, what about? I mean, with Allen, you we know, talk about Fitz versus Robinson. I mean, Robinson—he's coming off what a torn ACL uh, from last year. You know, he's going to a new team, so he's no longer in Jacksonville, where I think he actually is upgraded in quarterback in Trubisky. But I still don't overly trust Trubisky because now Trubisky also, along with Fitzgerald, has a completely new coaching staff. And the other thing that I don't trust about his zoo coaching staff, in a way, is, is that Mark Helfrich, the former Oregon Duck co- um, offensive coordinator and then head coach, is, is now the offensive coordinator in Chicago so that'll be interesting to see what he can do with Trubisky um, because I know that under the Chip Kelly era in college football you having Marcus Mariota what he was able to do with Marcus Mariota and and that talent so it'll be interesting to see but in Helfrich I don't trust
1: yeah I'm from Chicago so I'm pretty invested in I'm not a Bears fan I'm actually a Packers fan believe it or not and there's a lot of Packers fans in the Chicagoland area but uh i pretty heavily invested in following the Bears just because a lot of my friends and family are Bears fans, and I know a lot what's going on with the Bears. Um, so I'm actually excited to watch them. Similar to I'm excited to watch Cleveland. I'm excited to see what this new Matt Nagy-led offense can do. They have this. They brought it back, uh, Vic Fangio, and then they brought in, like you said, the new offensive coordinator from Oregon, um, and then Allen Robinson. They brought in Trey Burton. They brought in Taylor Gabriel. I mean, they have a brand-new offense. So, yeah, like you said, do we trust Trubisky? Uh, I do think he's going to be better than Blake Bortles. I think he might already be just as good as Blake Bortles. I mean, it's really not that hard to do. Blake Bortles is a decent NFL quarterback, but uh, I think Mitch Trubisky has a much higher upside, and I think they're going to have a better year this year. But when we're talking about Allen Robinson, I'm not worried about his ACL at all because, he I mean, he tore it at the first game last year. I think he should have more than enough time to come back and be able to start the game and probably participate in the preseason a little bit. Although I don't even know if he'll do that that much. He might get a few reps. They don't want to risk anything. But uh, I don't think he'll ever get back to being able to put up 1,400 yards again like he did in Jacksonville that one year. And he put up, what, 14 touchdowns or something alongside Alan Hearns, who put up 10 or so. Uh, I don't think he'll get back to that. But I think he will be able to take at least 25% of the targets, being the wide receiver one. And I think he's going to be really, really good for Mr. Trubisky specifically in the red zone. Um I don't think that he's going to put up 12 or 13 touchdowns or anything, but I think he could probably get up to like eight touchdowns and probably like almost 1200 yards, maybe 1150. And I think that'd be a really good, really, really good season actually for a wide receiver, especially where he's going in the fourth round, end of the fourth round. Um, That's a really good value. Those are, Pretty good numbers for wide receiver in fantasy.
0: Yeah, let me let me throw this little nugget at you. What about sure. what about weather? Because he goes from Jacksonville, which is in northern Florida, to Chicago, the frozen almost the frozen tundra, and Larry Fitzgerald's in the desert playing in a dome. So, you know, I think maybe weather might play a bit to uh, be in a better favor for Fitzgerald versus. Um, Allen Robinson as we getting later into the season and you're going to be not throwing the ball as far because it's colder, it's harder to throw, harder to grip, so on getting shorter passes where Fitzgerald's going to get the longer passes and so on. So what do you think about weather? does you think that plays a, 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 any sort of factor in this?
1: I mean, it definitely plays a factor into any, any player that has to play in that type of weather. And we're, we're talking about weather. um, that's probably in the 20s or below probably below no below 20 and it happens in chicago a lot i've in the past few years and and actually any year there's been tundra games you know there's games where it's below zero degrees they got they have wind chill it's insane no player is suited to playing that but they got to go out there and play um i don't know I, I, i wish i looked at some sort of uh correlation study done where it shows cold weather games uh for players and see how that actually reflects their stats um as far as his ability, I don't know if it'll affect his actual ability to get the ball. It's just going to affect everyone. Those those cold weather games are usually just slower games. That there's not many. There's not as many points. There's more running the ball. Um, but going from Jacksonville, I don't know exactly how that will change him. I think he played he played college at Penn State, um, so maybe he played some cold weather games there. But as far, I mean, he's been in Jacksonville for a few years now. Uh, we'll just have to see I don't, I don't know if I'd factor any I don't know if I'd ever factor weather into any me drafting any player besides maybe a quarterback who's proven to you know play most of his career in like California um, but then he goes and plays in Buffalo or something so uh, I probably won't factor that in uh, but I like al Robinson this year I'm excited for him. Um, I think he's got wide receiver one upside uh, but I think he'll give you solid he'll be a good solid wide receiver two all year uh, and between these two guys, uh, I definitely would rather take Larry Fitzgerald all day over Robinson, just because Larry Fitzgerald has just proven that he can. He's gonna put up 100 receptions, gonna put up a thousand yards. We don't. There's no question marks. I mean, we talked about the quarterback, but I'm not worried about that. And then Robinson, we just don't know what that Bears offense. I'd love to draft him next year after he's shown that he can. You know that the offense is, has some life, and I mean, his maybe his price will go up a little more. But even if he has a good season in chicago i mean maybe he'll go up one round adp i don't know i don't want him this year
0: i don't want him and and why i don't want him is, is i'm not sure and i haven't seen any report yet as to kind of that health of the knee i'm assuming it's it's good and it's close to 100 because he's coming back but you know just because he's 100 percent and he's coming back doesn't mean that he's not going to be um you know he's not going to be all there and He's not going to be as productive as he was in Jacksonville. So, you know, with that said, I'll take Mister Old Mister Reliable, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, in this situation, just because I know what he can do, and you know he's going to be there and he's going to produce.
1: Yeah, Robinson might be a good player to like own, but uh, he might not. He might not like finish as a high or the high as high as he could in wide receiver numbers. Um, just because he might not have a good couple first games because maybe he's getting used to that knee playing again, you know, and then maybe down the stretch, maybe he could be a good playoff wide receiver for you, or later in the season, second half season guy. I mean, that's fine if he's on your, you know, if he's not doing so great the first couple games, but you squeeze by some wins and then you're able to play him when he's, you know, he's going off, then then whatever. But that's the risk you put in it. I think Larry Fitzgerald is every week he's going to be a starter I can throw in there. So that's why I'd rather take Larry, even at a little earlier price.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I just think Overall, I, there's nothing really more than I can add to that. Other than I just Larry Fitzgerald's reliable, and I'll, I'll take him uh, over uh, Allen Robinson any day. Just having that reliability.
1: Yeah. All right. Let me real quick here. Uh, would you rather take Larry or Josh Gordon? <laughs> just real quick, you don't even have the back. Gordon. <laughs> Gordon. Larry or Juju? Juju. Juju. All right. So you like both those guys over him. All right. Uh, would you take Would you take Larry over Mike Dicka? <laughs> no, I'm taking Coach. I'm definitely taking Coach. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there because you're from Chicago. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely taking Coach. Coach all day. Coach over everything. <laughs> um, that's all the 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 matchups we have for receivers. I just want to throw one more out there. Just random name. Thought I want to know how you feel about him this year because I'm actually kind of high on him. How do you feel about Corey Davis this year? <sighs> High upside, good potential. I'm waiting and seeing. Waiting and seeing. So you won't be drafting much of him or maybe at like a decent price? If the price is right. Yeah, he's going as the wide receiver 28 right now in the sixth round. I feel like that might be a little too high for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of waiting to see where he's at. Maybe get a little preseason work in him and see how that connection goes.
1: Yeah, I think he has potential to be a wide receiver one. I actually really do. I think you can get a lot of work in that Tennessee offense, but it's wait and see. He was drafted in the first round, so you'd hate to see him have another down year. But I'm excited for him. If and it's like if someone if someone's in your league is dra- is drafting him, they're drafting him because they they like Corey Davis and they're like, okay, right, this guy's gonna kill it this year or something. But if he drops to like the seventh or something, I'd consider him because at that point you're you're you know you're drafting for depth, and I think that'd be a pretty high upside depth guy on your bench.
0: Yeah, you know and the new offensive coordinator in Tennessee is known to want to throw the ball more and, and so on. So I think, That's probably one of the reasons why they brought him there. And, you know, with having Mariota under center, he is fairly consistent and accurate. So as long as he stays upright and you got two great uh, running backs in Lewis and Henry there. So that's kind of like a Kamara Ingram sort of backfield in a way. And then therefore, you know, if they can uh, capitalize on those two running backs and produce what New Orleans was able to do, I think that'll benefit Corey
1: in the long run. Yeah, and Marcus Miguel is extremely efficient in the red zone. So, if they don't decide to run the ball in the red zone, you got to think Corey Davis is the top target. I mean, with Delaney Walker, too, but I think Delaney Walker is more of like a uh, between the 20s kind of guy. And then I think in the red zone, I think Corey Davis would thrive more than him. Uh, so, if they decide to throw the ball, so he's a guy I got my eye on, though. Yeah. I just wanted to bring him up, see how you felt about him. Yeah, uh, definitely be keeping an eye on him. All right, so uh, that's all we had today for talking wide receivers. Uh, the only thing we have left uh, to talk about in our next episode is tight end debates. I'm excited to do that one. We won't have quite as many matchups, but we'll be able to talk probably six to eight guys, uh, a couple matchups between those guys. Uh, but thanks for listening. I hope you got some good information as far as maybe if you're considering drafting two of these guys, maybe to you know look at the ups and downs and the pros and cons of drafting some of these guys. And guys that have similar uh, ADP, hopefully we helped you make your decision. So uh, thank you, Ben, for joining me today. I had a good time. Um, I appreciate you coming on.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, it was a really good you know, talk about these wide receivers. I think I learned a little bit more um, about each of them and hearing your side of things and how you feel about them. Really, to me, solidified how I feel about those particular individuals also.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, like you said, I think I learned some myself just by having a pretty good discussion with you about this stuff because I tend to not really think about receivers as much as I'm like going after those running backs. I'm trying to find like who's going to be the star running backs because I'm a firm believer that running backs win your leagues, um, and I don't really play in a lot of full PPR leagues, so I tend to not talk about wide receiver a lot, but just doing this little exercise definitely opened my eyes up about some of these receivers. You put in some good input, and I'll definitely take that with me uh into draft day but anyway thanks for joining me and i appreciate everyone listening go over to shotgunfantasy.com and go over to uh twitter at shotgun fantasy uh, check out wp fantasy football on twitter as well um anyway thanks for joining us and we hope you come back and listen to the tight end debate in our next episode thanks <laughs>